When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh, and there's Chuck. And Jerry's not here, but we suspect she'll be along shortly. And that makes this, of course, Stuff You Should Know. Yeah, it's funny this one came up from you. Why? Because semi-recently, we were hanging out with our friends, and uh, Emily, we are talking about introverts and extroverts, and Emily said, someone said, yeah, you know, Chuck is obviously an extrovert. And uh, Emily said, no, he's not. <laughs> That's a lie. She said, Chuck is an introvert because he loses energy in groups of people, and he recharges by being alone. Yeah. And I had never really heard that. Uh, but that's true. But then after doing all this research, like mm-hmm. I, I am uh, very much in the middle of the spectrum. Oh. And very, and not, I guess, not quite an ambivert. Isn't that what it's called? Yeah. It really is completely dependent for me on any situation, who the people are, where I am at the time. It's very, very dependent on a host of factors. Yes. So that means you are normal, uh, right. from from what I can tell, and I'm really excited about this one because it's like Christmas and Halloween and Easter all wrapped up together because we get to tee off on uh, social psychology, yeah. on the science press, um, all sorts of people, and really kind of disassemble something that I think most people walking around think they understand, but it from everything totally. I can tell, misunderstand is a much better way to put it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this will get a lot of listener feedback because I think a lot of people spend time thinking about this stuff. Yeah. Um, And and it's like, I don't know. Like I said, it's very easy to put people in buckets. I think if we were to talk about yourself and myself, people would say, well, Chuck's an extrovert. Josh is an introvert. Mm -hmm. We can tell by things they've said over the years. But it's just not that easy. No, no. But you're right. And I should say you weren't right. Emily was right. You recounted (laughs) Emily being right. That's um, usually the case. If you just kind of boil it down to that, that is, it seems to be, from what we can tell, the um, the one distinction between introverts and extroverts. Like, where you gather your energy from. Is it from other people or is it from yourself not being around other people? Yeah, but also it's like, I think it's, and we'll, we'll debunk a lot of this stuff, but um, it's not as easy as, you know, the fact that you don't want to be talked to on the Appalachian Trail or meet other hikers. <laughs> That doesn't mean you're an introvert. 
because mm-hmm. I've also seen you be the life of a party. Well, that's when you get a little Captain Morgan in me. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I was thinking about just, you know, work events and parties and things like that. Mm-hmm. If it's like a party with my friends, I'm usually all about it. Mm-hmm. But I could also be in the mood to not even go. Yeah. Or at, at a podcast conference, you <laughs> yeah. know, I, I'm way more likely to just sit in my room than go to the mixer. Mm-hmm. Unless I know that, like, there's going to be people at the mixer I would really want to get to know and meet, and then I'm all of a sudden all about it. So it really just depends. That's neat. I feel like I'm learning a lot about you right now because I just (laughs) presumed you were always at those mixers. No, man. I'm in the room a lot. I mean, you were always in the room, but I'm many times in the room. (laughs) Well, there's coffee in the room, so I just sit there and drink that. (laughs) So let's let's kind of – let's talk a little bit about introverts and extroverts. There's a a woman named Susan Cain who wrote a book called Quiet, The Power of Introverts in a World That Can't Stop Talking. And she basically says it comes down to a preference of Mm -hmm. where you get your stimulation. Like, do you prefer lower stimulating environments? Do you prefer high stimulation environments? And that it is just a preference. And in a lot of ways, she's right. But in a lot of ways, she's really wrong because it's not just a preference from what it from if you're a psychologist or even a a neuroscientist. Like, it's an actual ingrained, possibly um, brain based um, biological response that that people may or may not be born with. Yeah, and we're gonna we're gonna throw a lot of studies out in this one and a lot of statistics. Uh, there was a, a random sample of results in a 1998 Myers Briggs personality inventory that said that introverts and I love this stat. They might as well have just called it fifty fifty. Mm-hmm. Uh, introverts made up fifty point seven, and extroverts were forty nine point three with uh, about 46% of men and 52% of women being extroverted and 54% of men and 47% of women is introverted. Mm-hmm. But you can find a pretty wide range if you go poking around the internet on how many people they say are introverted or extroverted. Yeah, the one I, I've seen all over the place is somewhere between 16 and 50% of people <laughs> right. are introverts, right? Sure. Well, I bet you they're right. Well, yeah. Yeah. Somewhere in there, they might be nailing it. Unless it pans out that introverts don't actually exist. Right. <laughs> oh. So those numbers you threw out, and I think the 16 to 50 that I threw out too, that's typically in the U.S. Um, but the thing is, it's not entirely clear, Chuck, if those numbers hold steady. Like if you did that same random sample of Myers-Briggs results, you know, 10 years on, would you get right. similar numbers? And if you wouldn't, why is that the case? Is it because somehow, like, populations are shifting? Or is it because, you know, if you had sampled those exact same people from 1998, 10 years later, was if and they, they, the results were different, would it be because people act differently because of their moods? And it, there's not, like, a lifelong bucket of introvert or extrovert that you can actually label people with. Right, or if people uh, really evolve, uh, and I say evolve or devolve, I guess, in either direction, (laughs) um, do some people that really used to be introverted, you know, you hear stories where people say, well, then I learned to come out of my shell for these reasons, Mm. and now I'm a completely different person. And I think it's just one of these things where it is all wholly dependent on an individual. Yeah, they're like, now I go beat up introverts on Friday nights with my friends. (laughs) But, like, this stuff is fun to talk about, but I just don't know that anyone can bucket people. You can make some generalizations, but I think it's so specific to each person mm-hmm. that it's uh, 
which is sort of some of your closing thoughts, which we'll get to at the end. Yeah, but but we have a problem here then. We can at least set it up, right? Yeah. Because what psychology is trying to do is create a model that you can yeah. apply to every single human being alive mm-hmm. and and predict their behavior based on where they fall on the spectrum between extrovert and introvert and some other stuff that we'll get into too. So it's not just a question of, you know, people people are people. Psychology is really trying to figure this out in a really specific manner. Yeah. And I don't think it's like a waste of time or anything. I'm not saying like, oh, they should just let people be who they are, but because right. it is interesting. Um, at the very least, it gives us something to talk about for 45 minutes. For sure. So let's talk about um, what makes an introvert an introvert and an extrovert an extrovert because there's a lot of misconceptions, but there's a lot of stuff that I think people assume that kind of fall in line with psychology's view of the behavior patterns of each. Right, but also a lot of overlapping patterns because – I found myself in a lot of these from each list. Sure. So you're an ambivert. Right. <laughs> Did Were you mainly introvert when it comes to this list specifically? I don't know. Let's, let's go through it. Okay. <laughs> uh, introverts, uh, and we'll just go through these quickly, need, to, uh, need quiet to concentrate, um, for sure me, uh, are reflective, are self-aware, uh, take time making decisions and consider them carefully. Hmm. Uh, feel comfortable being alone. Don't like group work. Prefer to write rather than talk. Have few friendships but are very close with those friends. Daydream or use their imaginations to work out a problem. Retreat into their own mind to rest and feel drained being around others, especially large groups. So I definitely check every single one of those boxes except for take time making decisions and consider things carefully. Like, I, I will often, I mean, I will consider things a lot. I do that a lot of times. But I also just kind of make impulsive decisions sometimes as well. Yeah, but you also uh, clearly don't need quiet to concentrate because you sent me music to listen to <laughs> so for the good. very first time in 15 years. Did you listen to it? I did. And it's funny that this all came up. Well, tell everyone what you sent because I can't remember his name. I sent you a Ryuichi Sakamoto album. I think it's called O5, and it's really amazing. It's great. I loved it. But as soon as I put it on, and Josh sent this to me just to say, hey, maybe we'll just be like of one mind if we both listen to the same music. And obviously you were kidding around. But what I found was I, and what I know about myself is I can have music on if I'm, and when you, you know, when we're doing stuff you should know studying, it's my deepest study. But I got to have it really quiet. Really? Yeah, otherwise it distracts me. I mean, I understand the principle because I can't, if it has lyrics, I, I just can't. I can't do it at oh, all. Oh, okay, or, so it's lyrics for Yeah, you. it's definitely lyrics for me. Or even an instrumental song of a song that has lyrics that I know, it will bring to uh-huh. mind the lyrics. So it has to be straight up instrumental all the way. What if it was just lyrics that over and over said, concentrate, Josh, concentrate, Josh? <laughs> that probably work really well. <laughs> I'll have to try that sometime. Maybe I can just sit on the phone with you and you can say that over and over again while I'm studying. But for me, that's only like really big, serious concentration. Like if I'm working on a project, I love having podcasts or music playing. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Well, yeah, that's another thing, too. It's hard to listen to podcasts or anything where people are talking, too, for the exact same reason for me. For study? Yes. Yeah, that's impossible. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) you're talking about the Wright brothers and the invention of the airplane while you're trying to study extroverts (laughs) and introverts. It doesn't really go very well. Uh, All right. So go ahead. Go over the extroverts' uh, behavioral patterns. 
I'm a little nervous talking in public, but... <laughs> it's because you're an introvert. <laughs> uh, extroverts, and by the way, it's appropriate to write it with an A or an O. So extroverts or extroverts, doesn't matter. Right. It's fine either way. But they enjoy social settings. That's a big one. Mm-hmm. I've seen that they're overall generally more optimistic. Mm-hmm. They seek attention. I saw that that was a big one, too. They're mm-hmm. energized by being around other people. And mm-hmm. as a result, they're friends with a lot of different people. Mm-hmm. As a result, they're sociable and outgoing. They tend to enjoy group work. That's the kind of work that they thrive in. They prefer talking over writing. They find it easy to express themselves. And they feel drained when they're alone for extended periods. Yeah, I mean, I, I tick most of those boxes, but I also ticked a lot of the introvert I feel like you don't tick many of these boxes at all. I'm I'm looking and I mean I'm pretty outgoing. I can be sociable. I mean it really just depends on my mood. But yeah, if you yeah. were going to take an overall picture of me, yes, I'm right. definitely way closer to the um the introvert ver- end of the spectrum. What about this one? Because I think this one is kind of key and interesting. Is feeling drained when alone for extended periods. I wouldn't say drained is the right word, but I don't prefer to be alone for extended periods unless I feel like being alone. But in that case, does alone mean like just with your wife? Like what does alone really mean? Does alone mean literally by yourself? So I think for extroverts, they feel drained when they're alone just by themselves. They don't have somebody else to be an energy vampire on. Yeah, it's weird for me, man, because I love being around people, but I could do a zombie apocalypse survival thing on my own. Sure. And I'd, I think I'd be okay. Yeah, you got some good good booze and some good food, <laughs> barbecue grill that works, you'd be fine. It'd be awesome. Uh, it's also interesting when, you know, we haven't been in the office. Basically, our office environment is completely different now since the pandemic moving forward. But wait, wait, we have an office still? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's interesting that, like, we, I, I think, before we became a podcast network, it's interesting that we became a podcast network because we were an office really full of introverts. Would you agree? Yes. Yeah, for sure. I would say and that's a lot of those, it. a lot of those people became public personalities in the end. <laughs> yeah, which is really strange, despite themselves. Yeah, it's odd. Um, and and office is closing down for I think extroverts has probably been a problem. Yeah. I didn't think I missed it until I went to uh, our colleague Pam Peacock had an art opening mm-hmm. that I went to in my neighborhood, and I saw probably like 12 or 13 people from the office. Mm-hmm. And I had the best time, and I was like, I didn't realize I missed seeing everybody until I saw everybody. That is really sweet. Yeah, but then I was fun, you know, not seeing them the next day. Sure. <laughs> Yeah, it does sound like you are a pretty big ambivert. So the yeah. fact that there is an, a, such a thing as an ambivert, somebody who really checks a lot of boxes on both sides, so they pretty much fall in the middle, the fact that they exist um, underscores a really important point that introverts and extroverts are on a spectrum. You're not just sure. one or the other. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, <clears throat> Carl Jung, who actually came up with this whole idea uh, in the 20s, said that if you were a full extrovert or a full introvert, you would be a lunatic. Like, there's yeah. just no such thing. But some people lean further toward one side or the other, but it's a spectrum. And again, it's not entirely clear if when you where you fall on that spectrum would be the same from one year to the other, one decade to the other, even sure. you know one week to the other. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I feel like this is a good break time. Sure. 
All right. I'm going to go sit quietly and think about what I've done. <laughs> and get we'll re-energized. Right <laughs> yeah, we'll be right back. All right. Game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. Because in Monopoly Go, you can team up with your friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. It's very nice. That's right. And the more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. I'm talking about unique stickers that you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes, cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with, or hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges, like digging for treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. That's right. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it now for free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! Hey everybody, it's time you heard about Squarespace. Squarespace has the tools you need to create and sell your own website, whether it's an online course or custom merch. Squarespace has you covered. That's right. Courses is a great program. You can start with a professional layout that fits your brand, upload video lessons to teach techniques and skills, and tailor your course with a powerful Fluid Engine editor. That's right. With Fluid Engine, which is a next generation website design system, by the way, it's never been easier for anyone to unlock unbreakable creativity. That's right. And don't forget the commerce side, because after that, you can charge a one time fee or you can even sell a subscription. Yeah. So turn your creativity into income with Squarespace courses. And right now, go to squarespace.com stuff for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code STUFF to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Squarespace. Hey, everybody. Did you know that Boricua is the name for someone from Puerto Rico? But it's more than just a name. It's a way of life and representation of the vibrant spirit of the island. Yeah, that's right. It's an island that's filled with adventure around every corner and natural treasures waiting to be explored, like El Yunque, the only tropical rainforest in the entire United States. That's right. Or you can get swept away by natural beauty and come away with unique stories that could only be experienced in Puerto Rico that remind you of why you travel in the first place. Visits end, but stories last forever. You don't become a part of the island. It becomes a part of you. That's right. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Hey, everyone. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. Joshua and Charles, stuff you should know. Uh, that's funny you, you threw in that young comment because uh, that quote because I found the same one and thought it was interesting because as it turns out, 
uh, Carl Jung was a uh, one of the kind of first big proponents of studying introverts and extroverts, and a lot of his work. Uh, he's kind of known for it, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I'm not sure that he actually came up with it, but he certainly popularized it, starting in his 1921 book, Psychological Types. Yeah. And Jung's whole thing was um, <clears throat> that the division between introverts and extroverts is which which way they directed their focus or their energy. Was it inward or outward? And that right. that was the real distinction. And that was what people thought for a very long time until, um, as we'll see, people came along and said, I think it's really kind of energy-based. Like, where do they get their stimulation? Is it inward or outward? Um, and that seems to be the, the current idea. But Jung really kicked the whole thing off in the 20s. Yeah, which is... Uh, I think it's interesting that, I don't know, the 1920s to study something that seems very modern to me. Yeah. Uh, personality types. There's also a dude, uh, a German, I think Jung was Swiss. Yes. Uh, a German named Hans Einsink. Einsink, not Einsink. I added an extra N somehow. But it sounded luscious. It did. Hans Einsink. Uh, he was a psychologist um, from Germany who uh, operated out of the University of London. Mm -hmm. He kind of uh, took the baton from Jung. Uh, did, did they work together or was it just sort of a metaphorical passing of the baton? I think it was like standing on the shoulders of giants kind of thing. I don't think they worked together. Okay. Uh, but he came along in like the 1960s and developed a model of personality. And he put a lot of focus on extroversion and neuroticism, mm -hmm. which I think is very interesting. Because, oh, well, I guess let's just talk about the links between the two. Okay, so, yeah, Isink's whole whole jam was that that was the two boxes. You were either an extrovert and an, or an introvert, and you were either neurotic or not neurotic. And it wasn't on a spectrum. He didn't see those on a spectrum when he started working. I'm not sure if he ever did. You were either one or the other. And when you put these two things together, um, you had a full picture of the human being. And it right. seems primitive to us today, but the, the basis of what he was doing um, it, it's it's still carried on today. He like kind of helped build these blocks that people have built on since then. Yeah, and uh, he worked with his wife Sybil, and with her ended up adding psychoticism mm -hmm. as a personality trait uh, to create what was called the PEN model, the P-E-N model of personality. And I think you know psychology or neuroscience would later kind of say that he was right in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. But later on, psychology, uh, they came up with their own big five personality traits and didn't dr – they dropped uh, psychoticism as a specific category. Right. But they kind of took pieces of it and applied it to the other five personality traits and came up with a acronym, uh, really two, I guess depending on if you're an introvert or an extrovert. <laughs> or your mood. You could, right. It could be a canoe or an ocean. Yeah. So that's kind of where we're at today. The big five personality traits is, I, for, as far as I can tell, the dominant model of, of personality descriptors. And canoe is um, conscientiousness, which mm -hmm. is your degree of impulse control or your ability to meet goals. Agreeability, it's your degree that you trust other people or that you're helpful or cooperative. Neuroticism, mm -hmm. and this is the same that I think, and, uh, the, or I should say the I thinks. Uh, considered neuroticism. It's your degree of emotional stability or instability. Like, do you get emotional really quick or are you kind of like solid and steady kind of thing? 
Um, and then there's also openness, which I saw described as better better um, written as uh, imagination or intellect. So it's uh, mm. it's openness to new experiences, but internal experience, right? And then there's okay. extroversion. There's your canoe. Right. That's right. That's the canoe or that's the ocean. I guess ocean would be in a different order. Mm-hmm. I can do that one in, in now in the ocean order. <laughs> that's okay. Okay. Uh, and what's really interesting about all this is when you – and, of course, this is what you're going to do in a, a social psychology way is to, to consider like, all right, well, why are people like they are? Not just let's identify uh, what people are, but is – and it sort of goes down to the old nature or nurture thing, uh, which I've long been on record that kind of everything is a mixture of both. <laughs> and it seems to be in this case, although – there have been some studies, uh, including studies from the iSyncs, uh, the Screaming iSyncs, <laughs> great new yeah, band. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> uh, where it seems in, in certain cases that uh, nature has a bit of a, a nudge over nurture. Uh, in one study in particular in 1956 of twins found that extroversion was uh, correlated most amongst identical twins Mm -hmm. rather than fraternal twins, which would really put a a check in the box of uh, nature. Yeah, and I think um, went on in a 1979 study to basically identify the size of your your cortex, your cerebral Mm -hmm. cortex, as directly related to whether you were an introvert or extrovert. And this is 1979. I think the Wonder Machine was maybe had just debuted, and they were probably a billion dollars a piece. So this guy was doing this. I don't know. He might have been dissecting people after they died or something. But he, from what neuroscience went on to kind of, they went on and threw in their own two cents on this whole thing, and they really showed that iSync seemed to have been on to something. Yeah, so one thing that we do know for sure, and there's there's so much haziness with all this, mm-hmm. it can be a little frustrating, but one thing that they have really established is there is a, is a supreme connection between being an extrovert and seeking reward, uh, behaviors that seek rewards. Yes. And there is a, a pretty clear demarcation between introverts and extroverts when it comes to the the I guess we can say the fact that extroverts are much more likely to seek rewards than introverts are. Yes, and and if you take that as correct, then that explains every other behavior in those behavior patterns, that extroverts are looking outward for some sort of stimulation, and you can see everything they do is reward-seeking behavior. Not reward Uh, like somebody gives them a a Twix or something for saying a joke, although that (laughs) might happen, and I'm sure an extrovert (laughs) would love that. But more like by talking to somebody, they they get a positive feeling from that. So they get a pop of dopamine. That means that going and socializing with people is reward seeking behavior. They're seeking that pop of dopamine, which is, as in brain terms, the reward. So that is the central why to all of this. It depends. As we'll see, it, it depends. So they have shown that there are people that correlate with extroversion, as we understand them psychologically today, that, that, do, that do have like this larger cortex that is linked to greater reward seeking. But it's also possible that these, these buckets that we've created, extrovert and introvert, don't really apply. So right. at the end of the day, what we have is some neurological findings that we're not quite sure we can't say really confidently that they fit our model of extroverts and introverts, but it is it is a pretty good place to start. 
Yeah, because they the one example they gave kind of makes sense in that uh, when thinking along those lines, which is an introvert. Um, there may be an introvert who really loves going on th- thrill rides and roller coasters or mm-hmm. bungee jumping or big adventures like that. Uh, but they say that extroverts get more like more of a rush out of something yes. like that than an introvert might. Yeah, so anything that could give you dopamine, it's not to say that introverts don't experience that. It's just to say that extroverts experience it more. Right. So it doesn't matter what they're deriving pleasure from. They're getting a, bi- a bigger kick or a bigger thrill or a bigger whatever out of it. And I've seen that this actually leads extroverts into greater danger than introverts. Like they're Because likelier- they need that dopamine? Yeah, so they're likelier to go do weird stuff that could get them hospitalized for an injury. They're more prone to accidents and being hospitalized for them. They're, being, they're more prone to being arrested for crime or antisocial behavior. Um, and, and when you understand it is their, it's reward-seeking behavior, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and then, you know, on the nurture side, there's going to be a lot of research, obviously, into everything from what your family is generally like mm-hmm. uh, and the, the, the cues that you pick up from them on how to live life to what really interests me, which is going back to being a baby. Uh, because, you know, you're you're sponging it up from the time you pop out and you're breathing oxygen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think like in terms of the pandemic, and they talked about this COVID generation, not necessarily generation, because, you know, maybe a couple of years. But I think there was a lot of focus on, like, grade school kids and teens and stuff like that and how it behaviorally affects, will affect them. But I think there's going to be a lot of stuff many years from now about COVID babies Mm -hmm. that didn't go outside for their first two years. Uh, and this 2006 study, they found that um, there's a few studies here that kind of, I think, uh, play into that one. Mm-hmm. One was from 2006 where they found that mother-child relationships can really have an effect on extroversion. Mm-hmm. And that if you are a mother and child who are really attached during very early stages of development, that the kid will end up being more likely to be extroverted later in life. Yeah, if they have what psychologists call a secure attachment style to their mom, which means that they know that at the end of the day, they can run home to mom if something goes wrong and mom's going to be there for them, which gives them the confidence to go out and explore more. That makes sense. And it's one of those things that it makes so much sense that you should have a little alarm going off in your head because it's it's one of those things that like has... Like somebody had a study that that showed that, but it doesn't necessarily mean, okay, if you have a secure attachment, you're definitely going to be an extrovert. It's also not clear. Are kids who are born extroverts likelier to form a secure attachment to their moms? You know, so we're back to like a a chicken and the egg kind of thing, Mm -hmm. and we just don't have an answer to that. So it's really important to be careful when you're interpreting some of the, the data that psychologists and the science press like to throw at you is basically settled. Yeah, and it also doesn't mean, um, you know, sometimes one of the effects of postpartum depression can be trouble forming an attachment for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that that baby's going to grow up to be an introvert mm-hmm. because mom had a harder time uh, bonding with that child early on because of postpartum depression. Right. Um, and I, th- I think we should do one on attachment styles. Like, there's a big bunch of... Um, stuff that is associated with it, and it seems really—it's really interesting. It does seem pretty predictive of behavior for sure. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I love all that stuff. Anything about like early childhood development is just fascinating to me. I love it too, Chuck. Let's love it together. <laughs> uh, another study in Japan, and this is what I was kind of talking about with um, perhaps COVID babies playing in, was they found that children of overprotective or just let's just say protective parents mm-hmm. uh, have lower levels of extroversion. And that's what I was talking about with like, if there were parents that were just did not let their baby leave the house for two years because of COVID, sure, like what that would probably mean they're probably protective and you know maybe overly protective, mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to uh, what thankfully we were able to do because there was no COVID. But we had our daughter out very early and, and thought it was very important to just get her out in the world, in places where there are lots of people. Right. You know, even as a baby, I just think. I don't know. I think all that stuff really sort of matters. Well, yeah. They say socialization, the more contact with other humans, it, it's the better off the kid is. That's the presumption, right? Right. The thing is, this this uh, this Japanese study, what it seems to have turned up is that um, it's not lower levels of extroversion. It sounds like it's um, greater neuroticism. Oh, interesting. You know what I mean? Like they're yeah. they're um, what a lot of people think of as introversion, like social anxiety, um, a, a desire to not be around people because they don't feel comfortable. That's not introversion. That's a part of the big five, though, and it's neuroticism. That's what that counts. So, like a neurotic neurotic parents are more likely to have neurotic kids. Yeah, and it makes sense, like that you would pass that on. That that could be a sure. learned behavior, you know, that you adopt for yeah. yourself, especially after years of being raised that way. It certainly makes sense. Absolutely. What about discipline? Uh, yeah, you spank, you thank them for being an introvert. <laughs> that's the that's the phrase that psychologists use. Those t-shirts did not sell well. <laughs> <laughs> Got a box of them just at the there. pop side convention, right? Right. Yeah, they're just sitting moth-eaten in the attic. Uh, no, what it said was a '66, a 1966 study uh, found that sons who were punished by their parents would exhibit more introverted behavior. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, to me, especially the fact that it was 1966, is, I don't know, I'm just uh, leery of this one, because what does punishment mean in that case in 1966? Yeah, you know what's weird is there is a, a lot of, like, t- uh, tendency to cite really old studies when it comes to extroversion and intro- introversion, despite there being so much work being done on it. So I, yeah. I was, it popped up all over the place. Yeah, it's a lot harder to to punish kids these days, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, you know? Yeah, you can't, hit, you can't hit them anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so you got to do things like take things away or have time out and I don't I don't know. I guess every kid's different, but when I when I put my daughter in a room for any various reason, like I go in there a minute later and she's just happy as a clam and they're doing her thing. <laughs> I'm like this isn't a punishment. Or if I take something away, she's like, "Fine, I'll just go do this." Yeah. <laughs> Like that, we haven't found a punishment that really works. That's pretty awesome. I wonder how how she's going to turn out in that result. You know, like because even if you don't spank your kid, if you use guilt or shame, that's going to screw them up possibly even oh, worse sure. than spanking them. So, like being a parent, no, thank you. Yeah, and that's something I have to consider a lot because I, I'm I have passive aggressive tendencies, and I had those foisted on me, and I do not want to pass that trade along, you know? Yes, for sure. We like to think we're raising a good future adult. Yeah. I, I think you like guys, to look at I it. really think you guys are. I think, I hope so. You seem to be doing a really good job of it. So hats Thanks, off. Thanks, man. I guess we'll see. 
Um, let's take a break, and then we'll come back and answer a really important question I think uh, is on everyone's mind. Who's happier? All right, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. Because in Monopoly Go, you can team up with your friends for timed tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. It's very nice. That's right. And the more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. I'm talking about unique stickers that you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes, cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with, or hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges, like digging for treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. That's right. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it now for free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! Hey, everybody. Did you know that Boricua is the name for someone from Puerto Rico? But it's more than just a name. It's a way of life and representation of the vibrant spirit of the island. Yeah, that's right. It's an island that's filled with adventure around every corner and natural treasures waiting to be explored, like El Yunque, the only tropical rainforest in the entire United States. That's right. Or you can get swept away by natural beauty and come away with unique stories that could only be experienced in Puerto Rico that remind you of why you travel in the first place. Visits end, but stories last forever. You don't become a part of the island. It becomes a part of you. That's right. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. You know, true love is always being excited from the first moment you see one another. And every time after that. It's taking long walks together in the summer or gazing longingly into each other's eyes and watching their tail wag when they chase a squirrel in the yard. Well, the pedigree brand asked about believing in love at first sight. And honestly, the answer is yes. Uh, as everyone knows from listening to this show, we have pulled all of our dogs off the street that Emily and I have had over the years, either right off the street or through a local shelter and working with them. And they've all become valued family members. And we think they've appreciated it, too. Yeah, Chuck, there is a pedigree loyalty survey that found that 90% of first-time dog owners report having a dog improved at least one of their relationships, and 80% of first-time dog owners are overwhelmingly more likely to have made at least one new connection as a result of getting a dog. And 95% of all dog owners say that the bond they have with their dogs is closer than they ever expected. Not a big surprise. That's true. We all know that adopting a dog can lead to a lifetime meaningful connection and real love can exist between a pet and a pet parent. You got that straight. Pedigree is committed to helping more dogs find loving homes. Opening your home to a dog can help open your heart. And Love at First Sight is closer than you think because it's available at your local dog shelter. Yeah, very important point. You can find love at first sight with the Pedigree Adoption Drive from June 7th to June 9th. And the Pedigree brand will reimburse your dog adoption fees nationwide. That's right. So just visit pedigree.com slash adoption dash drive to learn more and see full terms and conditions. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade. 
with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. Learning stuff with Joshua and Charles. Stuff you should know. Uh, so we're back, and we're talking about a question um, that you just can't not think of it when you start talking about introverts and extroverts, especially when you learn that extroverts are just getting more of a thrill and a high from life. Like, who's happier? Does that mean that they're happier? And the Josh answer, or Chuck? Right. <laughs> the answer, it's, it's uh, yes, they are happier. No, it's not. It is too. I mean, study after study shows that they have they report uh, a greater subjective well being than than people who score as introverts on these personality tests. I just don't want to believe this. I mean, I think uh, this, to me this is a little bit of a chicken or the egg thing. Mm-hmm. Are they happier because they uh, go to more parties? I know that's a very basic way to look at it. Yeah. Uh, and go to more concerts and public events and things that are more fun. Mm-hmm. Like I don't. To me, that's a very narrow view of what happiness is, though. So, but that seems to be like one of the big explanations for why they would be happier is it presumes that social functions and being around other people is rewarding and a positive experience. And so since they're doing that more, they're, of course, going to be happier. I don't—I mean, if you're an introvert, that's just absolutely not true. Being around people is not necessarily a more rewarding experience. Yeah, that's my point. You might be happier at your book club, you know? Right, or painting your figurines all alone. Right. Listening to us. For sure. But from what I've seen— Study after study turns up that extroverts, at least in our current understanding of what what subjective well-being is, a.k.a. happiness, that, like they score higher in that. But again, it doesn't mean that we've we've captured happiness, kind of like what you were saying. Yeah, like, hey, if you want to be happy, if you want to kick depression, go to more public uh, events. Yeah, but what's weird, Chuck, is there are... There's some evidence that that's kind of the case, um, and it's found in, um, like, world leaders. There are some world leaders who um, will out themselves as, as introverts. I think Justin Trudeau is the most recent one, but apparently mm-hmm. Barack Obama, some other, like, really, f- like, well-liked, generally well-liked leaders um, said later that they feel like they were introverts. And everybody's like, nah, you lie. And, you know, they really were introverts, but what they did was they pushed themselves to engage in extrovert behavior. And as a result, they were richly rewarded for that. I wonder if Clinton was like, not me, baby. (laughs) I'm an ambivert. (laughs) I was all about it. (laughs) Right. Uh, I think Nixon was the last U.S. president that was sort of an admitted introvert. Yeah, case closed. (laughs) It is a profession, though, where... uh, Boy, talk about being around people, like campaigning for public office. Mm-hmm. 
is a slog of meeting strangers. Yeah. Um, and the only experience we have with that is live shows, uh, which is really interesting because as an introvert, you do very well on stage. Mm. And it's probably something that you push yourself to, to eventually do. It didn't come naturally to me either. So I had to kind of work through jitters and stuff as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, I found a distinct difference in my energy levels when we were sort of meeting and greeting before and after shows mm-hmm. that we did for a long time. Yeah. Because as much as I really enjoyed every single interaction, it is a very draining thing to have to be on because when you meet someone who's meeting you, they're really up and on. Right. So like someone can't come up and say, oh man, I'm such a big listener for years and years. And you can't just go, hi. I'm really tired <laughs> right now. So you got to be up too. And like, what we did times a gazillion is a politician running for office. Right, exactly, because you really want something from those people, which is their yeah. vote, you know? So you got to be on. I, I know exactly <sighs> what you mean. But I can imagine that drain. The fact is, though, you and I do push ourselves to go out on stage, and we can both report that it's really, really rewarding to do that. Yeah, like, absolutely. There are a few things that make you feel as good as coming off uh, off stage after like a show that you just knew was a good show, right? Yeah. So there is, at least anecdotally from our perspective, there is evidence that pushing yourself to do extroverted activities is rewarding, could increase your happiness. But the reason why it doesn't necessarily mean, okay, you have to be an extrovert to be happy, is that it's possible our society is really ignoring a lot of the stuff that that would make anybody happy that's associated with introverted behavior, too. Because our society right. places a tremendous amount of um, value on extroverted traits, basically. Yeah, and on the live show thing, like, and I've heard this from touring musicians, it's there's definitely an energy exchange that leaves you, like, I have a hard time going to sleep after in the hotel, but when we were going out for, like, you know, six or seven shows in a row, mm-hmm. I would find in the week after I got home was a challenge for me. Oh, yeah? And I've heard that from touring musicians that, you know, you go on these big rock and roll tours or whatever. Rock and roll tours? <laughs> <laughs> so square. Yeah. Uh, and then afterward, like, you go back home to your family. And, like, that's why a lot of those marriages and families break up because it's just really a stark difference. It <laughs> yeah. can le- leave uh, you kind of depressed even, I think. Why can't you be more like the groupies? Right. <laughs> I'm sure that doesn't fare very well. <laughs> They'll do anything. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so uh, the thing is— If you um, look at how, at least I should say Western society, I think I said society before, but Western society really places a lot of value on extroverted behaviors, being outgoing, being friendly, being sociable, being um, a leader, being uh, unafraid, you know, captain of industry kind of stuff. Like, look at our movie stars. We don't have introverted movie stars typically. Um, I don't agree with that, actually. I think there's a lot of introverted movie stars. Okay, but do they behave introverted on screen? Well, no, that's my point. I think that's all the act. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think as real personality goes, I think there are many introverted movie stars. Right. So if they just acted like their own introverted selves, society wouldn't place any sort of value on that. <laughs> they wouldn't be movie stars. Right, exactly. They place an emphasis on the extroverted behavior they're engaging in. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, okay. for sure. So I think that's the point. Like, if you are in our society, if you act extroverted, of course you're going to be happy. But I think we're also missing all of the things that can make an introverted person happy that apply as well. 
Yeah, and you you can see this in the sort of early mid two thousands when like every office in the world became this big, huge, open mm-hmm. warehouse space, and which was again for us for an office of introverts was just a nightmare for so many it people. So was, <laughs> but. I think career advancement in those situations, you know, the the boss sees like, you know, so-and-so is always just bopping around, generating ideas, talking to people, Mm -hmm. like they're going to get more attention than someone who is like, where did my cubicle go? (laughs) Yeah, I missed the cubicle. Which isn't fair, you know, to to have done to everyone. But that's, I mean, that's that Western emphasis on on, um, extroverted behavior. Same with like brainstorming sessions. That's the opposite of what introverts want to do. And it's also the opposite of of what research shows that an introverted person um, is going to thrive in. They're gonna not going to come up with their best ideas in that setting. They're going to come up with their best ideas like alone on a walk or something. Yeah, you know what they should do? It's interesting. Like a really good boss, I think, would gather the people for the meeting and say, all right, so coming up next, we need to solve this problem. We're going to have a big brainstorming session for anyone who wants to stay. But if you want to go back to your office and really have some alone time to think about this, then do that. Right. Like, offer up both alternatives. Yes, exactly. I think that's great. The ambivert way. (laughs) Up with ambiverts. As far as the idea of who is healthier. Yeah, it's a big one, too. It's really easy to say that, like, well, here, let's just say this. What's happened with all of the information that we found is there's been a lot of misinterpretation of studies and data where the press will basically say, like, If you're an introvert, you're more prone to anxiety, and people that are more prone to anxiety are more prone to have heart attacks. So introverts are more prone to have heart attacks. Right, precisely. And what they're doing is maybe they're talking about a study, but they're they're more often than not trying to put a scientific gloss on just a popular myth. Right. Yeah, and that's a, that happens a lot. There was another study that looked at people who have like really negative outlooks on life and have heart disease, and compared them to people who are less negative and um, have heart disease, and looked at health outcomes. And of course, the the more negative people had worse health outcomes. And of course, the headline was "Introverts Experience More Health Problems." Study suggests kind of thing, and that introverts was nowhere in the study. Anywhere. Right. They didn't use yeah. it anywhere, but that got converted to introverts. That is a huge problem. At the very least, it is in public opinion. But the, the bigger problem is, like, we as the public can be forgiven to just kind of just take that up. It's not our job. We're just kind of interested in that kind of thing. And it, we can be forgiven for making those mistakes. What shouldn't be forgiven is when psychologists and other people working in these fields do that same thing make those mistakes, use that shorthand, and take this as anything more than just a a model that is a work in progress at best right now. Right. And also the notion that we've we've got it all figured out when it comes to connecting health with personality. Um, that That is like a lot of hubris to suggest that. So there's still so much more, I think, that's going to be uncovered when connecting things like heart disease and depression and and stuff like that. We just don't know. Yeah, we just don't know. And that's a good thing to remember when it comes to introversion and extroversion. Um, And there's people out there that say, you know, I think a lot of this is just basically bunk, if not all of it together, that their, their, their premise is basically what we've been talking about, that people are just too complex 
to put into a set of categories. And yeah, the, right. the big five personality traits is probably the most complex and robust personality inventory that we've come up with yet, but it's still five different categories that you kind of that interact with one another. And it, it seems really primitive when you step back and look at that, when you consider just how complex not just people are, but the experiences people have on a moment-to-moment basis that influence our moods and our decisions and our behavior, too. Yeah, and there are people who can solidly be like, oh, no, I'm 100%. Well, Jung said that's not possible. You know what I mean. Yeah. They would consider themselves like, I'm an introvert, like, uh, trust me, I'm an introvert, or someone who is clearly an extrovert, there are those people that have maybe very, very little overlap with the other. Right. Um, but in with anything on a spectrum, it's just, I don't know. It's very personal. I think it's super interesting to think about for yourself because I think it helps you navigate the world if you kind of think about it. But I also think you can overthink that stuff. Yeah, some people say that what you just described is actually harmful, that people will start to uh, act to type. Right. If they are like, well, I'm an introvert, yep, I, yep. I guess I might as well not go to that party and they miss uh-huh. meeting, you know, a new friend or they mm-hmm. don't take on that project at work that would open a new door for them. Like some people say this kind of stuff is harmful, labeling people like that rather than giving everybody like, hey, some people are like this, there's this behavior, there's that behavior. And just letting people be as they are, um, that, that that's a much better idea. Yeah. I think I agree with that. Yeah. And then lastly, the other thing, Chuck, is, okay, so let's say the big five personality inventory it becomes just more and more robust and it becomes clear that, yes, this thing is absolutely accurate and you can use it to predict the behavior of anybody. Like, would we want to even have that in existence? Do we want to know people like that? And, like, if we did have something that was that accurate, like, what ends would it be used to? Right. You know, it's just a sure. question to chew on. Especially if like you're an it. introvert. Yeah, these are my favorite ones. I like the ones where we can just dish, you know? Yeah, I love dishing with you. <laughs> uh, let's see, you got anything else? I got nothing else. I don't have anything else either. And since both of us said that, of course it means it's time for listener mail. Uh, I'm going to call this pronunciation support. Uh, not in the way that you might think. Okay. Uh, hey, guys, love the show. Writing to urge you to be less hard on yourselves and less accepting of criticism from listeners about so-called language mistakes. Nice. Uh, For example, in the recent Roe v. Wade episode, Chuck at first pronounced substantive with the accent on the second syllable and instead of substantive, Mm -hmm. and it made such an impression on him that he made fun of himself later in the episode. I tend to do that. Uh, Yitzi. This is from Yitzi, by the way. Okay. Uh, Well, as it happens, both Oxford and Merriam uh, Webster document Chuck's pronunciation of the word as such. Mm -hmm. And Josh... Check out what some dictionaries have come to say about contemporary versus contemporaneous. Oh, boy. I'm excited about this one. Uh, the truth is that even dictionaries are nothing more than snapshots in time of how language is used and imperfect ones at that. I might recommend doing an episode on linguistic descriptivism. Mm-hmm. Uh, in short, language is basically a game in which the object is to communicate. Right. It's pretty rare for you guys as native English speakers to use English in a way that could by any meaningful metric be considered a mistake. Uh, maybe a linguistic descriptivism episode would be uh, would put to bed some of the more pedantic criticisms you seem to get from listeners. It's a great idea. Nah, who am I kidding? <laughs> Did Yitzi like say that? that? <laughs> yeah. Nice. So uh, with many fondness, I'm not even sure if that's correct, uh, 
That but, is from but they y- got the point across. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and that's from Yitzi Lindenbaum, my new favorite listener. And then when I told Yitzi that I was reading this, uh, they were back and said, yes, yes. I'm going to be the coolest member of my Descriptivist Linguistics Club awesome. this week. Nice. <laughs> I love that. That's a club. Man, Yitzi's great. I'm going to take Yitzi's advice and really unload on the next person who writes in to tell us we mispronounced something. <laughs> yeah, tell him to sick Yitzi on him. That's right. Tell him Yitzi sent you. Um, well, if you want to be like Yitzi and just be totally great, you can take a shot at it in an email. Send it off to stuffpodcast at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff You Should Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey, if you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. Use promo code STUFF. 20 to receive $20 off your first month for listening to this podcast. Switch now at Visible.com. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month.